Hello and welcome back to Trash and Treasury, a podcast where we bring you some smart stuff, but also some absolute garbage. We're Grace and Miranda. It's a brand new year, but it's the same old dumpster fire. So <laughs> when we last saw you for our New Year's episode, we were, you know, reflecting on better things to come, but it turns out that a global pandemic does not care about the calendar years and not a Trump supporters. Yeah, I'm sort of in the camp that 2020 hasn't ended and we're just in the 13th month of 2020 <laughs> and we're not yet in 2021. Like yeah, well, we're good. I'm just not willing to admit that we're going to have another <laughs> dumpster fire of a year ahead of us. But that is a great coping mechanism yeah. and or piece of denial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a little bit of ignorance, never hurt anyone, you know. <laughs> But yeah, no, I can't believe how much has happened. Like this election looked like it was kind of going to be smooth. And then the storming of the Capitol, I just can't even believe it. Mm. And then a double impeachment. I mean, that's a first. It's like usually the average between impeachments was something like 50 years for Trump. It's like two years. And he's like, yeah. I got the most impeachments. <laughs> yeah. The probably- best impeachments. <laughs> I had the best impeachment trial of all the impeachments in all the years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look, it's it's been rough. And also Kim Ye divorcing. That's just absolute tragic news. But yep. New Year, same us. And so rest assured for season three, we'll definitely be giving you our hot takes throughout the year on the 13th, 14th and 15th months of 2020. (laughs) Um, So for the first episode of season three, we're going to talk a bit more about Trump and Trump supporters and the networks they use and a very prominent Australian Trump supporter called Pete Evans and a new social media platform called Parler, which he and other Trump supporters have been gravitating towards. Yeah, classic paleo Pete. He's gone down the rabbit hole as suspected and um, we'll be discussing the fact that this new platform is sparking a huge conversation into free speech and, Mm. um, you know, what constitutes free speech versus hate speech. Um, and violence, you know? It's going to be a really interesting conversation. Yeah, it's very relevant right now. And another thing that might be relevant if you're one of the millions of households around the world who watch Love Actually at Christmas, for our trash today, we are going to be talking about Love Actually, and I'm going to break Miranda's heart and break down storyline by storyline why Love Actually is a terrible movie. I just, I don't know how you're going to go with this. I just, I feel like I need to defend it to the death. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, who knows? But speaking of defending things to the death, we do love to do that. And it turns out you guys love it when we do that as well. So (laughs) our Hills to Die On segment will be here to stay for season three. We'll be giving you some of those soon. And of course, all of our recommendations. But first things first, let's talk about Pete Evans. Evans, the controversial chef slash health and wellness influencer, conspiracy Mm. theorist, um, right-wing Trump supporter, um, lightbox seller, 
to cure coronavirus, anti-vaxxer, mm. anti-masker, pretty much pick anything. Pete Evans has got a foot in that camp. <laughs> He's um, For anyone who doesn't know Pete Evans, he was the one of the hosts of Channel 7's My Kitchen Rules, in mm. which last year he was uh, fired and that contract was removed. But also the show was completely uh, disintegrated because um, lots of different reasons, but one being they couldn't stand Pete Evans any longer. <laughs> he just started like not quite normal, but like, you know, he was a chef with quirky kind of Gwyneth Paltrow mm. goopy people love to hate his ridiculous things he said about activated almonds. Correct. And then next My day on a Nazi. Mm. Yeah, he went from activated almonds to Nazi and um Yeah. Which apparently is like quite a common <laughs> thing, like wellness and Nazism. Yes. Thing. It yeah. is, or like um, sort of the wellness space and how that really connects quite easily to the conspiracy space. It's yeah. another really good topic that I'm hoping to cover later in the season. Definitely. Um, so he was, uh, he's known for, as he started out, um, he was sort of controversially recommending paleo diet. A lot of people call him Paleo Pete. Oh, um, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> And telling He's, babies to be paleo and telling drink babies bone to be broth. paleo, drink bone broth. And um, interestingly, I was listening to a nutritionist who's been pretty much explaining how Pete Evans is dangerous for eight years. And she was like, nothing about mm. what he's doing now surprises me. He's always been nutty and he's been recommending really dangerous things with the bone broth mm. for babies and crushing up liver and putting it in the bone broth or something like that. It has like. 26 times the amount of vitamin A or something that is yeah, like, like it's actually really harmful limit for babies. Yeah. And it can be incredibly damaging to livers and result in serious illness or death in infants. And like, it's really dangerous. She actually reached out to him and said, Hey, like, um, you know, maybe you're not aware, but maybe you're not aware. Attention. But yeah. Yeah. Like maybe you just think it's sort of like a harmless thing to have it might not have as much nutrients as breast milk or anything but you know just letting you know this issue does come up with bone broth and it's doesn't it's not safe to give to babies um so you know before you publish your book you might want to consider this piece of information and Mm. that was a comment on his facebook right and mr pete paleo pete who loves to talk about free speech censors his own comments deleted the comment Mm. um he said to her i don't care i'm publishing my book anyway he doesn't care so she was kind of like he's just a narcissist kind of psycho she reckons he's a psychopath he's just he doesn't care she's like there is serious health implications for what you're sprouting here and i came at it from a nice kind of space and on his facebook and everything um you know Unless it's just sheer adoration for Pete, any comment that is not sheer adoration, as in, oh, well, what about this link here? Like, what? how do you mm. feel about this particular thing? Um, he just deletes it. Like, he doesn't – it's not even hate speech or rude or trolls. It's just like, hey, but what about this? You know – you know, discussion of ideas. It's like he's censoring other people's comments on That's his page. That's very He's also point. a massive influencer. He makes his money from, um, you know – spouting all this stuff on his page and I and I do see what you're saying and in, in like 
But if it was hate, I'd get it. But it's heated discussion. He has an opportunity mm. there to rebut the arguments and explain himself, even yeah. if it's, you know, silly or stupid. He's got an opportunity to rebut those arguments. But instead, he just silences people, doesn't respond. And it's like, well, this isn't anything. It's just, it's just like a cult leader basically just wanting all of these adoring comments all in a row. So that's all people see. And... Mm. Look, there's, you know, that's that's not the reason um, that he is a psychopath, but um, it's definitely telling about his personality and, you know, what he yeah. wants to think of himself. Um, so controversially, last year he was fined $25,000 by the Therapeutic Goods Administration for selling and promoting a biocharger light literally a box with lights in it for $15,000 is how much the light box would have cost to buy, saying that it was programmed for lots of different illnesses for, for the cure of certain illnesses, mm. including the Wuhan, Wuhan coronavirus. And so, yeah, he was fined for that. He was not allowed That's to That's a very that. small fine given the price of the product. I know. Can you believe that anyone would actually buy that for fifteen thousand. I had no idea that's how expensive it was. I had heard about the light boxes, and I would assume it was like a forty-five dollar product. Yeah, <laughs> like I thought it was a forty-five dollar product too. But it also, it also just indicates who his followers are, like rich yeah. white yuppies. I'm guessing, like and like the kind of Byron-esque people. Like, is mm. that is it these sort of Bell Gibsons and the I don't know, like who who is buying that? But no one is buying that. So is it the company that's paying him to promote it? Like it's a weird industry. It's weird. It's but weird. He was fined for that. Um he was Good. booked also to be on I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, but he was booted before it began. And this is yeah. the cause of the most recent controversy from Pete Evans. Yeah. Where he posted a neo-Nazi symbol called the Black Sun. And basically it was like this sort of cartoon involving a horse and, I don't know, some crap. It was a stupid um, Yeah, picture. it was pretty innocuous, the words. It was like, yeah, if you didn't recognise the symbol, which I didn't, you would no, just I be didn't. like, whatever. Yeah, exactly. And so people have screenshots of the comments that followed. Yeah. Yeah, which he has deleted because that's what he does. He deletes all this stuff, even his own comments, which he was like, oh, probably shouldn't have said that. So someone mm. commented saying, um, hey, like, I think that's actually the black sun, mm. uh, which is a Nazi symbol, neo-Nazi symbol. And he was he responded to that comment saying, I was wondering when someone would notice. Yeah. And then another person said, um, you know, something about why are you using black sun? Um, it's, you know, to do with the Holocaust. It's like a horrible <laughs> piece of history or something. He responded to that saying, actually, if you realize what really happened in the Holocaust oh. and stuff like that. Yeah. Like he, they're a, he's a Holocaust denier as well. Yeah. It's come to light. And then he had the audacity to delete the comment, then make an audio comment to, that was released on the media somewhere. And he says, I had to Google what a neo-Nazi symbol was. Like, I don't even know what a neo-Nazi is. <laughs> I think that's very telling. And it's like, you literally Look in responded. the mirror. <laughs> yeah, you're a neo-Nazi, Pete. And um, he, he said 
I was wondering when someone would notice. And he yeah, also exactly. said he something about the Holocaust and the fact that, you know, we should Research find out what really happens. And... Research the yeah. truth. Yeah, like, I mean, he is so obviously knew what it was. So yeah. he's he's just, he's bizarre. I In my research for this episode, I listened to an episode of his podcast. Oh. And that was triggering, <laughs> to say the wow. least. It was so bad. And it's, like, got all these um sort of birds and, like, sort of, symbols um in the background like it's like this sort of new agey sort of vibe to it and um he had on a doctor like a doctor on the on the pod um yeah and he was saying about um viruses and how the mask is you know it would the mask doesn't even keep out smoke so you know as if it's going to keep out a virus the mask and what kind of qualifications did this doctor have yeah exactly they're an epidemiologist i doubt it they were definitely not given or provided by Pete. yeah (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) or whether he's discredited now or not um but yeah he was interviewing him and he was just denying everything and and they were sort of chuckling to each other like (laughs) aren't people silly like it sort of sounded like a rapport between two intelligent men except that what they were saying was total batshit crazy and it was just it was bizarre and then but they're they're inside it they think that everyone else is the ones that are being sheeple yeah that's right that's right and it was bizarre to hear from him directly as a host of his own podcast talking to other people about just things that he believes and it was sort of Mm. interesting um it wasn't as outwardly crass as I was expecting but then again I only got through one episode and I didn't intend to go any further (laughs) yeah um Rosie Waterland made this call first actually she said if Mm. when when he gets dropped by channel seven he has no accountability to any mainstream source anymore which means that he is off the hook and he can just say whatever he wants and we have Mm. now been witnessing the downward spiral of Pete Evans into yeah. some crazy shit. And so thank God he's lost all his platforms because he doesn't, yeah, like, you know, people don't have the right to say really harmful, damaging things. Mm. Except he hasn't lost all his platforms. No. No. He has chosen to leave Facebook and Instagram. Ah, so he just lost all his, like, paid endorsements though. Like he lost his... He lost Sorry. his. Uh... Yes, he lost his job. Anyway, so his anytime he would say something crazy, <laughs> dangerous, health wise, or something like that, um, you know, he would be reported, and Facebook would often remove his comments because he would just continually say stupid things, and he right. doesn't like that. So this is where we come to the discussion on free speech and he mm-hmm. doesn't like the fact that he was censored. He hasn't been removed from the platforms uh, of Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. But but sometimes his comments will get flagged as this is misleading or this, this is, misleading, is not factual. Not yeah. factual, dangerous content, problematic yeah. content basically. Which, you know, my personal opinion is that that's okay. Um, mm. I think that you know, in a platform that big, they there is a social responsibility to be more careful um, about what does actually go out there and what people are consuming. Um, it's people's biggest source of news. It is. 
Mm. It is. And um, so there's a new platform called Parler. And there's also other similar platforms. Another one, I believe, that's gaining, gaining some momentum is called Gab. But Parler specifically okay. um, is – it started in 2018. It was built by two tech bros and right. um, it, it was created with the premise that nothing will be censored on there. It's interesting uh, the stance that – the host sites, so Google and Amazon, have mm. actually de-platformed Parler in uh, literally very, very recently due to all this controversy uh, surrounding the right-wing uh, people on Parler uh, just going too far with things. Um, wow. So that's huge. So pretty much the site still exists. But they would have to find a new host server. And obviously, if you don't have Google or Amazon, I mean, you, it's pretty hard to find something else that's going to have the same um, gravitas as those two. You and can bing it. <laughs> you can what? <laughs> bing. You can bing it. Remember that was the slogan? <laughs> like Rachel Zoe was their sponsor. So all the time in her reality show, she'd be like, I want frozen yogurt. Where is that around there? I'm going to bing it. And she would just drop it in just like every episode. <laughs> Pretty much just like stop trying to make bing, bing happen. Exactly. It's not going to but happen. But maybe <laughs> Trump supporters will get across bing. I mean, I think that is fascinating and good on Google and Amazon mm. for taking that stand. Um, like a lot of places that have been really stepping out against Trump. But I mean, it does go back to the whole philosophical ethical question, you know, mm. what right does Google have to censor yeah, you know? I um I for anyone who wants to hear a deep dive on this exact topic, so the fact that Google and Amazon have removed it from their platforms, and mm. um the CEO of Parler is interviewed in a podcast called Sway, uh, in one of their more recent episodes, and it is sensational. She really pushes him and asks him some really tough questions um and he try, yeah. tries to defend himself to pretty much not a lot of success so it's um yeah really fascinating and, and she really goes into the nitty-gritty of how that all that all works but it's pretty interesting given that you know they don't technically censor most things but except violence and uh, you know, extreme pornography. That's all that they really mm. censor. But it's, yeah, it is interesting that now they're being taken off mainstream platforms because it is being seen as dangerous. Very, very interesting. It is funded by a billionaire called Rebecca Mercer, who's the daughter of Robert Mercer, who got rich from hedge funds, basically. And they right. are a big political donor for the alt-right. Right. So they've got some deep pockets. And if this gets bigger, which I'm feeling it's going to be, um, then they've probably got some money behind them, I reckon. And it'll be very interesting to see if Donald Trump, in fact, makes the switch to Parler now that he is permanently deleted from Twitter. That's a scary, scary thought. Um, yeah. It's- I mean, the one good thing is that most people aren't really on there but the scary thought is the kind of people that are on there as you said it started in 2018 so deep in the Trump administration pro-Trump people are on there and yeah you can imagine like a worst case scenario where he gets on there all these people are on there and you know it's a way for him to communicate with his followers and say I actually did win the election you know let's go storm 
Washington Coast, again. Storm stuff. Yeah, it's not like it's never happened. It is. It does create just a giant echo chamber because yeah. so many alt right people are drawn to sites like Parler, um, where there isn't any censorship. Um, what people are saying is that those voices then become louder and they cheer each other on almost unless lots of uh left people join it and start flooding the timeline that's true that's true which who knows maybe that will happen eventually but i can't see why anyone would want to join a site powered by a hedge fund billionaire who only to shut it down from the inside to shut it down from the inside yeah inside jobs (laughs) (laughs) well yeah it'd be interesting to see how big it gets um but the interestingly another little factoid is that rebecca mercer um has invested in lots of different things other than politics including Mm. drumroll cambridge analytica oh dear yes so she's made some bizarre and controversial investments in her time (laughs) Mm. but not bizarre very calculated well, yeah. She wants to get alt-right people in power and she's stoking things that can help that happen. Mm. Another interesting thing is like, you know, how much do you want free speech around you that can be hateful, that you can have like pornography or racism? Mm. Like I don't particularly want to be around that space. Like if I joined Parlour, of course it would be different because I'd be – surrounded by mostly alt-right people and there's probably not many left-wing people on there that you could follow but I don't really want to promote a site that it just promotes all of this horrible stuff and doesn't censor things yeah. like that I feel like it's good to have some censorship like obviously with moderators so that they can see that you know it's rightfully being censored but it just but their whole ideology is that they don't want that and that's one of their key things they see as part of their personality and I think like in Mm. terms of you saying like they all believe the same thing and they've all joined it and you're reading stuff from people that agree with your echo chambers it's like that is the reality of um I don't know people even the thing is don't want to go and see things you don't want to see like you don't want to go and see racism and pornography so you don't gravitate to those spaces and people gravitate to a community they want to be a part of Mm. and I would gravitate towards like-minded people it's true because I don't want to be among people that are promoting things I disagree with and people say that is really problematic and that's how you know people are out of touch and don't know get shocked when Trump wins and stuff well, that's and, true, and that's why, like, mm, I'm starting to read, like, a wider uh, news sources. I was, you know, again, mm. researching Pete Evans, listening to Pete Evans himself, researching Parler, you know, listening to his own podcast. You know, I think it's interesting to hear yeah. from the people themselves or from those communities and people who may not be as extreme but still on the other side and can maybe shed some sort of more intelligent lens on why people are gravitating towards it yeah i'm not for censoring different opinions i think it's really important and i don't like this yeah. whole echo chamber idea at all um i don't think it's great and i don't even think it's good for us i don't think it's good for yeah. anyone to be living in an echo chamber but i also think that it is good for people to have 
a code of conduct. You know, I think that, you know, if you're going to present your ideas and even if you're a really controversial person, you don't need to swear, berate and troll people and be horrible Mm. about it or show disgusting pictures. I mean, like you can discuss themes and ideas in words. People have words like we have a language that we can utilize to express ourselves. And I hate that free speech, you know, equates to people just being awful. I don't think that Mm. that's free speech at all. That's just being nasty and rude and potentially threatening and um, inciting violence. Like there is a difference. I don't, I'm not for censorship in terms of different opinions or free speech, like all for free speech, but not hate speech. But who gets to decide what is hate speech and who agrees that definition? Well, we have laws about this and Facebook has a code of conduct. It is pretty darn clear. I think it is quite clear. But that's why people, at least, what did you say? How many million people have opted out of that because they find that restrictive? Yeah. They find it restrictive because they want to be hateful in privacy. And I just feel like, you know, I don't know. Uh, Maybe I'll laws haven't caught up to technology enough yet but I still feel well, like yeah. if those things are existing I mean on the dark web um people are um often charged with things you know it just feels like mm. this is kind of just a way out of mainstream internet on the internet it's like mm. you know maybe they can't have snuff films on there because they'll be arrested but like <laughs> that's right there's still real world consequences for social media Exactly. And you better believe that, you know, I'm sure that um, law enforcement will be keeping an eye on Parler for sure, you know, because we don't want obviously small conservative groups to be committing acts of terrorism or um, trying to storm the Capitol. I mean, Jesus Mm. Christ, I just feel like I don't know what the answer is. What do you think? I actually don't know the solution. Like, should they shut it down? Should they not shut it down? Should, I don't know. I really don't know. They can't shut it down. Another one will just prop up. But yeah, like, how do you have, how do we have conversations with each other? And personally, like, when I'm looking at news articles and like in my free time, I don't want to have a fight in the comments with someone with a different opinion, even if it's respectfully worded disagreement, like that's not what I would do for like fun. So like, how are these conversations happening? I guess we can talk to like our own friends, but like, that's again, we're friends with people that think like us. And it just sounds like parlor is going to lead to even more division in an already really divided climate Mm. right now. That's very true. What I think is interesting with this, as with most things that outright people get really upset that are about to happen, are actually not happening to them in countries like America, but they are happening in other countries that do have state-sanctioned censorship. Yeah. And, like, there are very real, like, censorship issues. But when you contrast... Like countries like China don't have Facebook and don't have a lot of websites yes. and stuff. So when you contrast that, you're like, you're not actually being censored. Like, yeah. Or exactly. if you say not something really censored. harmful, they're censoring me. It's like, okay. That's yeah. like, yeah, it is We're a big literally prevent- preventing defense. acts of violence and death. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> it's And literally, that's exactly what Twitter said when they shut down Trump's account. So, yeah, exactly. It would be very interesting to see what the reaction is to that on Parler right now. <sighs> well, 
that was problematic, wasn't it? Parlor, <laughs> that conversation. <laughs> but now I want to talk about something more fun that's problematic. I want you to explain to me why love actually is apparently problematic. Yep, can do. And I think that I'm going to censor the conversation we just had, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so this will be just like a five-minute podcast. <laughs> Free speech. <laughs> <laughs> Love Actually needs no introduction. It's the 2003 romantic Christmas comedy uh, directed by Richard Curtis, who directed a lot of famous British rom-coms, notably Notting Hill and Four Weddings and a Funeral. I would be very shocked if there's anyone listening who has not seen Love Actually. Yeah. (laughs) uh, Because I think it's just ubiquitous and beloved and beautiful. Mm-hmm. But as discussed in the intro, I actually have come to realize it's a really terrible movie. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, it's corny, but it's great. Like, I don't know what this problematic bizzo is all about. I okay. don't know how you're going to convert me. <laughs> yeah, and I know that you personally... Are like, if it was okay when it was made, we can't judge it by today's standards if it's a product of its time. Yeah. And it's 20 years old. Yeah. So there are some things in it that are just like dated. Like one thing I really find jarring watching it these days is like the amount of fat jokes. Oh, yeah, the fat manager. They're really jarring. The fat manager, the fat sister, how they're always saying that Natalie, the secretary of the prime minister, is chubby when she's like just beautiful. But I remember at the time it was weird too. Like it wasn't okay at the time either. I remember it like, but I thought that was kind of part of it because Hugh Grant was like, would we call her chubby? Yeah. And that's true for Natalie. He was kind of like, no, um, she's gorgeous. And that's true for Natalie. But I think the other characters, it's just like, yeah, too many fat jokes. And then the other thing is like all of the main characters are straight and white So Mm -hmm. there actually was supposed to be a lesbian love story in amongst it. Oh, was there? And it got cut. It's in the deleted scenes. Oh, it's in a deleted scene? Yes. It was the teacher of Emma Thompson's kids, Daisy and Bernard, and it was like her telling him off at school and then her going home to her wife who was dying of cancer. So it totally was that uh, stereotype I talked about in Schitt's Creek where they always kill off a queer couple. It was that stereotype. And in the end, they just cut it. Oh, God. And left just like the straight couples. But what I want to do is go through every single couple in this film. Yep. And tell you why they're all bad. So if you pick a character and if you just give listeners a brief recap of who these characters are and what happens in their storyline. I know you haven't studied for this, but you've seen Love, actually. And then I will tell you why that storyline is terrible. Okay. All right, so let's begin with Kira Knightley and okay. <laughs> her husband slash husband's best friend who's stalking and in love with her. <laughs> yeah, see, this one is so creepy. Everyone knows this one's creepy because, like, it this is creepy. guy, Peter, who's from The Walking Dead, he is, yes. like, obsessed with his friend's fiancé 
and like films all these videos of her and is just obsessed with her. But what makes this so bad is that he's never even, he doesn't like her personality. He just likes her face because he even admits this when she's like, but you never talk to me. You only talk to Peter. Like he doesn't have conversations with this woman. Yeah. He's obsessed with her only on looks and is like being such a bad friend and creepy person. And everyone's like so romantic. Like, it is iconic, those signs. Those signs have been very parodied by even Boris Johnson did like a re-election campaign with those signs. Oh, my God. I was even at a wedding where that was the husband's speech was just on a bunch of signs. Oh, and see, it is pretty cute, the yeah, signs. It was really awkward and really corny, like couldn't handle it. <laughs> but um, it was cute if we could see the cards. <laughs> we couldn't oh, we were them. too far away. <laughs> we were too far away. And it was like where the bride was wasn't where the cards were angled so they had to do it a second time so the audience could read along yes oh my god I remember it telling was you about so this at the time awkward. and if, because you couldn't <laughs> read them you would all just like laugh and clap when you thought you were supposed to but just to be like supportive <laughs> yeah we had no idea what was going on <laughs> we were just like that's a cute gesture though um it but is a cute gesture, in but the movie yeah. what I will concede is I always hated him I yeah. always hated him and I always hate because I, I hate cheating and I hate cheating storylines. Um, so, you know, he was a creepo. He was being a shit friend. He didn't even give her a good wedding video. And no, I know. That was he his own creepy life. He was filming the re- wedding video. She had someone else filming it. That's right. But he but was then just she's like, like his I own saw personal you filming. Footage. Yeah, I saw you filming at, at my his wedding. best Can friend's I have that? wedding. Like, what? And it's super creepy to be like, no, you can't have those photos from your own wedding. Like, it's so creepy because he's like, I need to wank to those later. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So So, true. Yeah, that storyline in the bin. Do you remember any? I like that was, I don't know. I mean, I really hated that particular storyline. I also hate how she went out and kissed him. I hate that she did that. I thought at least if he's creepy and he's declaring her love, she could be like, that's really sweet. But I obviously love your best friend. Can you not be a creep? Like, Well, that's- it's not even sweet. Like imagine if someone actually did that. It's not sweet. It's not flattering. It's no, super you'd creepy be- and like really inappropriate. You'd be going to the cops. <laughs> you'd yeah. be like, this person is stalking me. Like, or even oh you'd just be like, why have you put us all in such an annoying position? Like, you know. Exactly. If that friend ever sweet. found out, I'd like be so pissed off. The fact that yeah. he came to the house didn't even know that like, he wasn't going to answer the door, like playing with fire. He was playing with fire. Yeah, he was He was a rude prick. Um, so fair enough with that one. But let's go to one that I don't know how you could possibly refute this, but the little kids, Olivia. The little kids. Yeah, yeah. The little Sam. boy, Sam. Sam. So it's actually basically the Kira Knightley and Mark story but grown up because again he doesn't talk to Joanna he's just obsessed with how she looks so like Liam Neeson the dad is like well how does Joanna feel about this and he's like she doesn't even know I exist it's like okay so why don't you introduce yourself to her and get to know her personality like she doesn't know you exist so you're gonna like creepily play the drums to try to like win her because like girls are things that can be won if you play the drums oh to make her like you stop it they're little kids I'm sorry I I challenge you to find anyone who had a 
proper infatuation that (laughs) was not just about looks and status in primary school. (laughs) In primary school. I mean, she was gorgeous. He was a little dweeb who lost his mum. And he was like, I'm going to impress her by playing the drums. And he did. And it was adorable. And they're stupid little kids. They have... Clearly not going to like you know make a go of it in the future, <laughs> you know. Well, they they know nothing she came about back each other. On holiday from America, but look, I think the whole thing is like his dad <laughs> gave him really bad advice of just play the drums. Why don't it's like talk to her, hang out with her, play games? Oh no, no. Also, the other problem not with this little kid, yes, problematic. So the kid is like running through the airport, and it's supposed to be like you know, romantic and funny. But imagine if that was like a little Muslim kid running through the airport security and like jumping the things. They would like arrest him. But because it's like cute kid, everyone's like, aww. Yeah. Point taken about that. Didn't didn't think it, didn't think that's where we were going. But yeah, I thought you were going to be like, oh, you know, people would not let him through. Very true. That would not happen. Um, he wouldn't yeah. get through the gates, and he's a tiny little kid. Pretty sure they'll catch him. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. Just, it's like, just totally. It's just not normal. He wouldn't make it. But everyone does this in every movie, and they have like more than one security guard. So they could have radioed and been like, "Hey, gate five, like, yeah, can you just like stand up and grab that kid running towards you." Exactly. Also, you know, like, it just it wouldn't happen. But it happens in every movie. It happens in all these movies, and it's fiction. It's a work of fiction. I feel like people like forget that it's fictional. It didn't really happen. It's a little kid running through an airport (laughs) in a movie that was made in 2003 about Christmas and love. Like, let's keep it in perspective. The problems I have with the movie are not that it's unrealistic and fictional. It's that we're giving the wrong messages of unrealistic fiction to people. So pick another character and I'll continue. (sighs) All right. Um, uh, What about um, Alan Rickman and... Elizabeth Thompson is that her name Emma Thompson that is like the beautiful most tragic storyline yeah I thought it was so realistic and so well fleshed out it is it is and um Emma Thompson's acting apparently they did like 10 takes of that and she cried every time and everyone (gasps) was just like we are watching like a master a master class in acting what I think is bad about this storyline is like the stereotype archetype of his like tempting secretary. And I don't know if you noticed or remember this, mm. but it's like a Christmas party and she's wearing devil horns. It's like it's not a Halloween <laughs> party, but they're just like, she's evil, tempting. <laughs> like, she's who evil is? and tempting. Oh, but true. who is that at Christmas party? But That's so true. I know, look, I do. I take your point on that. It's a bit lame. It's a bit on the nose, isn't it? It's like she's dangerous and a seductress. I mean, at the time, yeah, like I felt like that was still, you know, over the top because not often do we depict secretaries like that. They're just usually hot and tempting but not trying to be Not opening their thighs so much. Not opening their thighs and asking for presents and, yeah, doing all those sorts of things and wearing devil horns at Christmas. (laughs) But the other thing about that storyline which doesn't look this is just a point i don't think people talk about enough mm. what is really bad about the fact so the reason she cries as most people know is that 
She knows that he bought a necklace. She sees it in his pocket. But then at Christmas, he gives her a Joni Mitchell CD. So what is so insulting about this is she has said in the movie that Joni Mitchell's her favorite artist. So to be like if someone in like gave me just like a three years old Taylor Swift CD, I'd be like, yeah, obviously I have it. Like, what a rude present. You know what I mean? Like, it's my favorite artist. Why would I not have their CD? Why would I not have this CD already? Yeah, true. Yeah. I mean, it was a simpler time, Grace. Maybe we were more appreciative of CD albums and stuff back then. (laughs) I think, like, it's a slap in the face. It's not the necklace, but it's a double slap in the face because it's like... That is such a good point. It's like I would obviously have that CD if that was my favorite artist of all time. Yeah. Yeah, have you discovered some CD that I somehow didn't know about as a super fan that you just bought? Yeah. I don't think so. (laughs) Don't think so. Yeah. (laughs) That is so true. That is definitely the cherry on top of the most problematic things that happened in this movie. Um, (laughs) Okay. Another couple. Another couple. Oh, come on. Hugh Grant and Natalie. No. Terrible. Oh. So it's workplace sexual harassment everywhere in this storyline so she works for him like yeah people can get involved with people they work with that's okay but the bit that is very very problematic is the president of the united states puts his hand on her leg which is creepy because of the power imbalance between the president of the united states and a secretary and then the prime minister hugh grant walks in and they're like oh And then she has to spend the rest of the movie apologizing that it didn't mean anything. So she has to apologize for the fact she got sexually harassed at her workplace. Okay. No. (laughs) No. Yes. No, 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 no. Okay. So that apologizing thing, one, very normal, Grace, very normal victim behavior. That's what happens. It's the shame. But we shouldn't be romanticizing that. And then they get back together after she apologizes. He was like... It's not anything to do with you. Like he knew she had nothing to do with that, but he was still like uncomfortable no, with it. No, he her. never said it had nothing to do with you. He never said that. What? Didn't he? Maybe I'm no. imagining that. She just I- kept apologizing and she wrote like that letter being like, I'm so sorry, the Christmas card, because I'm actually yours. Well, I suppose part of it was also like he misunderstood it, but then he realized that he was a creep and it was like, oh, I'm an idiot. Like maybe he didn't explicitly say it, but I feel like it was implied. I don't know. It I may mean, have been impl- implied implicitly. I feel like it was because, you know, and she was apologizing everything and he was like, don't be silly or whatever. I don't know. I feel like something that, like that happened. And then, you know, he stood up for her and everything. And look, at the fact that he dismissed her was actually, I found it, complex I mean the fact that he did dismiss her was kind of like oh well it wasn't just this all romantic situation where he you know said f you to the president of the United States um kept his secretary on and got with her and there was no issue like he made a bad move he felt like a bit of a fool and he dismissed her like that was the wrong thing to do but that's what makes them complex characters like Yes. I don't know. I mean, I just think it was really well done. And then it was so cute how he tracked her down at the end. And yes. It was cute in the car with the octopus. And the, the octopus um, and concert the is very. <laughs> the concert. It's just beautiful. gorgeous. And yes, yeah, she was sexually harassed. But that was a plot point. 
as well. He, she was never sexually harassed by Hugh Grant. He never was inappropriate with her. He just was in love with her, clearly. Yeah. Didn't make a move until agree. she was already, like, dismissed, basically. And I don't know. It just... It was beautiful. I don't. I don't think it was that problematic. The sexual harassment part was a plot point, so I don't know. It was, but the way that it was handled was not good. Just firing her after that happened. He didn't fire her when he liked her. He fired her after she got sexually harassed. Yes. And he was like, "I am jealous," and just stuffed up my big speech. But don't you also think that he was thinking, "Oh, maybe she's not that into me. Maybe she's just coming on to all the presidents." <laughs> yeah, that is what he thought because his was jealous. Well, he was jealous but heartbroken because he, he was loved her. her. He didn't he didn't realize that that she was being harassed. <laughs> yeah, but it's a power dynamic. It's like Monica Lewinsky. Even if it was consensual, it's not consensual. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like he was just a coward and he dismissed her. He did the wrong thing. But then he made up for it. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's Look, like it's definitely one of the better storylines, and like, at beautiful. what point is like something problematic, and at what point is something just a plot <laughs> and a character if, if and can, a storyline? You can do a storyline about problematic things happening, but mm. like the fact that it's like a very romanticized storyline when actually like how they reacted to the American president, it's worth calling it out. But it's a very parodied, mm. again, the uh, Jacinda Ardern dancing as Hugh Grant. Iconic. Oh, just brilliant. Just brilliant. <laughs> so there's a few we haven't covered. Yeah. Who do we have? The most problematic of all, Jamie oh. and Aurelia. Colin oh, Firth. Oh, Colin Firth. This and- is borderline human trafficking. <laughs> It is. She doesn't speak English. She's in a country that's not her own. He, like, marries her. They've never had a conversation. This is domestic servitude. This is what happens. (laughs) I just feel like this is just so the kind of thing that people say political correctness has just gone way too far. We're, like, destroying a beautiful film that's, like, perhaps a bit dated with some problematic themes. Like... No, this storyline is really problematic. Oh, come on. I mean, she was in love with him and she's not a slave. How does she know that? The You can't read subtitles in real life. They don't speak the same language. She could be saying anything. Well, she was. <laughs> she was insulting and like, him. And they literally have never had a – they've literally get engaged in the first conversation they've ever had. It was unspoken with gestures and she thought he was funny and stupid and – I don't know. It was so bloody cute, Grace. Oh, it was no, so cute. Creepy. I did think, yeah, they've never had a conversation. That's true. That's also what happens in movies with people who are in love. They like That's a problem. That's a problem. That is a problem, yes. That is a problem. <laughs> they've only got so much time. Plus in love actually they're competing with all these other storylines. Like maybe there was all these other bits in between. And didn't he like learn little bits of Portuguese. Yes. They learnt they both learnt languages, so when they got engaged they did have a conversation. Yeah. During their proposal. <laughs> that was their first conversation. <laughs> Look, yes, very problematic. But just like Holly I mean it was a Hollywood plot point. It was like this cute how all the family are follow following him in the streets and he's trying to track her down and it's yeah, just but no. So bloody cute. <laughs> <laughs> we'll not have you destroy Look, this for me. 
It is cute and the music is amazing. I love the music so much. The orchestral score. I'm like oh, obsessed with yeah. it. Oh, yeah. It was. It's heartwarming. Really it's beautiful. But like, no, I don't know. I still have watched it every year, even since becoming woke to the problems of love, actually. <laughs> and you still enjoy it and love all of the things? I still watch it, but I don't know. I don't know if I can be complicit in love, actually, anymore. <gasps> complicit? <laughs> it's a Christmas movie, Grace, for God's sake. I just, oh, God, I feel like I'm sounding like my grandma, but um, it's just like PC's gone too far. It's gone too far. This is too far. This is, it's gone too far. Um, like... I feel like it's not as problematic as all these things. Like we're just criticizing it to the nth degree. Like it's just a silly movie. There, if you pick, but any nobody film in that this is movie, slightly, but it's slightly nobody fantastic. In this movie has a conversation with each other before they fall in love. But it's slightly fantastic in that, like you know, um, things are a little bit not real. They're just sort of hyper enough that it's not realistic, and that is a style. Yes, it's not realistic. It's not a drama dramedy it's literally a rom-com about christmas and with all these different connecting storylines and we don't have enough time to flesh any of them out properly and it's a bit dated you know and obviously with age everything looks a lot worse and yeah the fat jokes and everything pretty bad (laughs) like pretty bad and um that cheating guy was always problematic even since the film came I out. I think so. I think so. Yeah. And that's know. true. Like a lot of the characters are supposed to be problematic, but I think the problem with love actually is the characters that we're supposed to love, namely Colin Firth and Hugh Grant, are actually a bit creepy. Oh, they're just they're so beautiful. And those storylines are so beautiful. I mean, sure. Is it kind of maybe human trafficking? I mean, isn't she just employed doing like, an au- like an au pair or something like she's, she's- a housekeeper but she's Portuguese <laughs> there in France and so she's away from like anyone she knows doesn't speak a language and then basically is like it's not far off male order brides which we did in season one when they get married <laughs> surely she's like except seeking a better life so she's like cool okay except that she's the housekeeper and then they fall in love Slowly. Yeah. The diff- why I say Mail Order Brides is because, like, she doesn't know this guy. She's ever had a conversation with him, but she's probably like, cool, my life outcomes might be better off in England. I might have <laughs> better economic <laughs> opportunities. She was working at a really serious. fancy restaurant and had a really cute family. Like, I don't know. Like, no, her she dad was in was love an with asshole. him. Look, it's. It's just it's a it's a fun movie. Like, why do we have to criticize everything so much? That's what that's what my beef is. It's like, sure, you can find all these things that are wrong with it, but I don't think that any of these things are literally that problematic that I would care when I'm watching the film. Apart from maybe the fat jokes that are a bit on the nose. Yeah, I think just because it's not so realistic, it's not supposed to be realistic. If we were watching a movie that was supposed to be again I'm not saying anything about realism I'm saying about the romantic ideals that we're putting up as romantic should at least include like some caring about the other person's personality which is missing (laughs) from most of the storylines in this movie I'm not talking about realism (laughs) that's fair our romantic ideals should involve personality yes Yes, that's what I'm saying (laughs) yes that doesn't happen a lot in film 
but I think that's probably why I'm just like, eh, it's cinema. Like everyone knows that it's not real, but maybe everyone doesn't know that it's not real and that's why we're always choosing the wrong people. (laughs) It's true. And look, I'm not saying hashtag cancel love actually. I'm not sure. All I'm saying is it's definitely a problematic fave and it sounds like we're going to have to agree to disagree. Yeah, I know. Which is all right. You know, that's yeah, fine. That's Respectful okay. disagreement is totally fine. Yep. And speaking of, I'd love to know what hill you're dying on this week. So my hill this week, first one for 2021 or the end of 2020, as previously discussed, (laughs) is stemming from a little TV show that I watched um, that's not landing in my recommendations. It's called Tiny Pretty Things, and it's on Netflix, and it's about um, ballet dancers, which is why I watched it. And Ah. it's, but it's really teen drama. Like, it's pretty much Pretty Little Lies, but... (laughs) about ballet and the dancers are phenomenal like they're really talented so that's why I watched it for all the dancing sequences but like these kids they're supposed to be kids Mm -hmm. are all like aged 16 and there's so much like unnecessary nudity and sex scenes in this show oh that's weird yeah that's about kids and dancing and just every time they and then like the choreographers. You're getting old, Miranda. I know. I sound like such a prude, but like there is literally. I appreciate a good sex scene if it makes sense, but there is just like so many of them for like no reason, and it's supposed yeah, to be weird. a tweeny bopper drama about a ballerina who falls off a roof, and it's like who done it, kind of exactly like Pretty Little Liars, you know, who's a, yeah, and yeah. it's just it's. It's so silly. I mean, they constantly just in the sauna, naked, having normal 16 conversations. Year olds. 16 year olds. They have a sauna at this ballet school and they're just all naked in the sauna. And so you don't see any badge, uh. but you often see boobs and you like, they're just all naked. So you see their bum and everything. And they're just having like regular conversations in there all the time. And then they're just like having sex in there sometimes then other times they're having confrontations like and everyone well, you know be suggesting like you know that they've all got their dicks out and like having a big full-on conversation in there and a confrontation with the choreographer I would be very like, interested to know like who produced this it sounds like 40 year old <sighs> men produced it yeah and I don't know like it's just so melodramatic there's like you know so much innuendo about teachers having sex with students which also happened in Pretty Little Liars I might add with the whole um what's his name El Elra or something what was that teacher's name oh yeah yeah Yeah. he had that relationship with the girl and I don't know Uh, it's just uh, Ezra Ezra there's just so much unnecessary nudity I just I found it really irritating. I thought there is no reason for this. Like the relationship doesn't even make sense. Like I didn't even need to see the two of you people have sex. I know that you're in a relationship or I know that you're having an interlude. It was just so much, so excessive. Yeah, so and it's gratuitous. It wasn't furthering the plot. It was wasn't just. It wasn't furthering the plot. It was yeah. just. And the fact that they were young 
really bothered yeah. me. Like they're supposed to be young dancers. It just, I just found it so problematic. But, you know, the dancing was phenomenal. So I don't know. Give it a go if you want. Also, don't. So that's my health. So interesting. <laughs> so interesting. Yeah. And yeah, you're officially old. Um, I'm officially old. I know I sound like such a wrong prude. with that. Getting old is a privilege and there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Getting old is a privilege. <laughs> yes, true. Um, the hill I'm willing to die on this week is very on brand for me, as you and listeners will agree. The hill is that Taylor Swift is the songwriter of the generation. She's just oh. amazing. She's released another surprise album. We haven't talked about this on the pod. It happened during season break. A second mm. surprise album within months of the one she just dropped it's masterful. People are saying, like, are you sure Taylor Swift is not the head of, like, the Department of Engineering because she just wrote one of the best bridges in Champagne Problems that has ever been written. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, one of the songs, Tis the Damn Season, she wrote it while she was drunk and it's a masterpiece. Really? Like, yes. Have, have you even heard this album? I know you didn't listen to Folklore, but not Miranda. Not really. Not really. There's I, a song um, you'll really like, um, A Murder Mystery, Nobody, No Crime. You'll love that. So, Oh, okay. All right. I'll have to give that a go. But seriously, can you even think of anybody who would be in competition with Taylor for Best Songwriter? Like, they're actually – can you think of anyone that I can um, rebut against? Like, she's in a class of her own. She's look, prolific. In modern times? In yes. modern times. Absolutely, because so many people don't write their own songs I suppose like potentially what's his name with the red hair Ed Sheeran Ed Sheeran he's a good songwriter but um he's not as prolific as Taylor exactly and he can't do as many genres as Taylor no I mean you might not like all of her music but she's released like two quarantine albums and you reckon that there's going to be a third right yes that is the theory who writes this many songs in quarantine? I mean, she's making everybody look really lazy compared to her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she's like, oh, I'll just casually write three albums while I'm in lockdown. I'm like, all right. And like, yep, she is just definitely the best songwriter in the generation. And as you said, like in modern times, like if we went of all time, I would still argue for it, but I can, you know, there'd be more competition for debate. Whereas with this, yeah, Ed Sheeran's a good, a good worthy contender, but he's got nothing on Taylor. He's got nothing on the numbers that she's pumping out. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like she really, she really is in a class of her own. Again, you don't have to love her, but you can't deny. Yeah, that you can't not respect that. Yeah, bloody respect to her. Good hill, good hill. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people will challenge you, but <laughs> good hill. Come at me, come at me. <laughs> <laughs> Defend her to the death. <laughs> All right, now let's find out what we're recommending this week. My first recommendation, I'm guessing, may overlap with one of yours, Grace, because you recommended this to me. Ah, <laughs> but okay. It is The Undoing on Binge. And yes. holy crap, it was phenomenal. For anyone who hasn't seen it, stars Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant, which Starcast. There's only six episodes. It's a whodunit. Fast-paced. Oh, it's a fast-paced whodunit, riveting, sort of bizarrely shot and well done. Like, it's just, it's absolutely fantastic. I think I binged the whole thing in 24 hours. Yeah. 
I'm so glad you liked it because you do love a thriller. And mm. when you were asking for shows, I was like, I'm pretty sure this is up your alley. Um, but I'm glad you loved it. I'm hoping that we might be able to do a trash on it at some point. Yeah, I would love to. Everyone mm. watch The Undoing. Yeah, watch The Undoing and come back for our discussion later in the season. Love it. Um, for my first recommendation... Because we talked about Love Actually this episode and a bit Christmas themed, mm-hmm. I have a Christmas themed record, but you can watch it all year round. It doesn't matter that it's late January right now. You will still love it. Yep. This one is um, a movie called A Sunburnt Christmas. Oh, I've seen it. I'd like not actually seen the movie, but I've seen it advertised. Is, was it good? It's so good. So Aww. it really reminds me of Hunt for the Wilder People. Oh, really? Yeah, it's very similar to that, um, which was directed by Tika Watiki. This one isn't. This one is actually directed by one of the Bondi hipsters, which is random. Um, Bondi hipsters? Yeah, I don't really know who they are either. They're like comedian (laughs) bros. Oh, okay. But the movie is very good. It's like, it's similar to Hunt for the Wilder People in that it's kind of like an unlikely adult and kid friendship, but not in a weird way, just in like random heartwarming, Yeah, you know funny and it's like an Aussie Christmas too because we never get Christmas movies exactly yeah I reckon (laughs) that it could be a new one to watch now that love actually is in the bin you know you can watch this one instead each year okay definitely need to check that out but now that it's past Christmas can I still enjoy it yeah no you definitely can it's It's like an all year round it's not even really that Christmassy it just like happens to be around Christmas time it's around Christmas and it has some like funny Christmassy bits but it's definitely like a generally great feel good beautiful Australian film yeah awesome I'll definitely have to check that one out yeah my second one is also a movie and it is on Netflix I believe Mm -hmm. um and it's called Instant Family and it stars um Rose Byrne and some other really funny guy who's really good um and it is just fantastic I mean I was sort of in a movie watching phase of just um sort of corny rom-coms or comedies like I was just sort of in that type of a mood and I didn't have a tv series that I was that into so I was just watching movies for once which is different for me and this instant family is about um a couple who are house flippers and um they have they don't have any kids and they were sort of like, should we have kids? Should we not have kids? I don't know. And yeah. then they decide to foster some kids. And um, <laughs> and there's, it's just, it's really funny, but really heartwarming. And they sort of like, yeah, maybe we could flip them, you know, like make them good and give them a house. And, you know, they have all these like grand <laughs> notions of what it's going to look like. I know. Yeah. And but they then do the talk- movie addresses that, you know. Well, yeah, it addresses that. Yeah. yeah. And then they're like, no, but we like want to do a good thing and it's going to be great. And obviously hilarity and chaos ensues because it's a much, much harder job than they think because they get three siblings instead of one kid and yeah. they're all different ages. And one's like a 17 year old. There's one like primary school age kid. And then there's one sort of in kindy and it is just gorgeous and so funny. I was cackling laughing some of these scenes are fantastic there's even a scene um it is in the trailer eliza schlesinga makes an appearance in this the comedian she oh my god i've never seen her act before i i feel like this might have been one of her debuts but 
She's brilliant. Yeah. She plays a Car- she plays a Karen type, and um, she's in the foster meeting with like all the other families, and everyone's saying like what they kind of want, what type of child they want, or what type of situation that they want, and what like how many kids they want, and like what sort of situation they're after because there's like all these different things which is also really good because it does kind of shed a bit of light on the American foster system yeah and um she stands up and she's like I want like um a teen boy preferably african-american who's really talented at football and i want to make them reach their full potential and she's like (laughs) rose burn laughs and she's like isn't that the plot from the blind side yes (laughs) (laughs) and she's like i don't know what you're talking about stop talking to me (laughs) (laughs) and it's just it it goes throughout the whole film that joke and oh i just i thought it was one of the most beautiful funny oh I can't I can't underestimate how funny it was and it was just beautiful like I can't wait to watch it again I feel like I'm just gonna watch it again maybe tonight I feel like, like it was just so thank good thank you you've done a real public service because we all yeah. have Netflix we all browse Netflix we've all seen yes. that movie I've seen that movie come up and it looks shit but I'm glad shit. to hear that it's really good it like so someone shit. has to take it for the team we all need to tell each other <laughs> which movies on Netflix are actually good so like thank exactly. you exactly it was so brilliant. Like, honestly, yeah, a nice hungover Sunday or something. Like, just the perfect um, under the blankies movie. Great. Because we yeah. always need those. That's great. Yes. <laughs> and my final recommendation for this week, you may have already watched because it's been pretty huge. It came out on New Year's Day. It's called Bump on Stan. Mm, and yes. the premise is a teenager who has a surprise baby. So not a surprise pregnancy. She literally like finds out she's pregnant while giving birth. And then it's about like what happens after that moment, like what ramifications does that have for her and what she thought about, you know, her future and her family and the dad's like and his family. And it's just a really good, really diverse casting, really great Mm. acting, really beautiful. I know you've watched it as well. Like, don't you love it? Yeah, so I have thoughts on okay. it. Okay, well, um, we'll, which we will, may, we, <laughs> we might will. just need to talk about it in depth. Yeah. So this is just, I guess, a preliminary thing to say. Watch it. It's on stand. Yeah. It's pretty short. It's yeah. Um, there's like ten episodes or eight episodes, but they're only half an hour each. So yeah, I feel like mixed feelings about it for sure. But it was cool to have like a nice Australian show it's definitely a very well produced Australian show it um, is with good diverse you know yes that part is very true so that's definitely something everyone can get around Mm -hmm. well that's it from us for today but join us next week where Grace is going back in time and explaining to me what the hell Watergate is because I have zero idea and I'm sure that some other people will be (laughs) in my field of just not knowing what the hell this thing is so we're gonna summarize it aren't we grace you're gonna make me understand it's true like everyone's heard the term watergate but i do suspect that you're not alone and a lot of people actually would appreciate just a quick 101 uh for our (laughs) treasury next week we'll give you that And for our trash, we're going to be picking up on one of Miranda's recommendations from last season, which is The Queen's Gambit. So good. So good. All about chess, all about Anya Taylor-Joy. Just 
brilliant. Yeah, and show. like chess boards have been like had a dramatic increase in sales. Online chess is booming. Everyone is obsessed with the Queen's Gambit, including us. And I'm sure you as well. Yeah. I've pulled out my chess board that I bought in Bali and have never used even just to like <laughs> play chess again. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. I love that. All right. Can't wait to hear more about that. And we'll see you all for this discussion next week. Please note that the views expressed within this podcast are our own and we are not experts. We have done some serious Googling and even some serious internet deep dives, but we are by no means qualified. If you need actual advice, please speak to a licensed professional. We can even help you Google one. 